welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. What's up, sports fans? Welcome back to the AD's office. I'm Alex Larson. And I'm Devin Plekis. And we have week two of the NFL season in the books. Come sit a spell with us in the AD's office real quick and talk about uh, fumbling issues. And we'll start it off with uh, my personal favorite, Minnesota Vikings, who are making it really hard to be a favorite this season. I think they've turned it over seven times in two weeks. I know the People who are not a fan of the touchback rule, if you're not familiar, if you are an offensive player and you fumble through the end zone you are trying to score in, it's a touchback for the other team. It sure is. That happened to Justin Jefferson reaching for the pylon. It's kind of a bogus rule, but it it is the standing rule. and It is the rule. Lions fans, we know it too. Screw you, Seattle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the rule. Obviously... You can say what you want about if the Vikings hadn't fumbled or if they didn't turn it over seven times, they would have won those two games. But that's just not how reality works. They did turn it over seven times. It's not, and they did. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, I think a lot of people try to get into the weeds too much, and they'll say things like, oh, you know, if we didn't turn the ball over four times, then we would have won the game. But then it's like, okay, I'm also than betting on my team fixing all of their negatives while not giving any credit to the opposing team for them possibly having fixed their negatives. It's like, dude, you got to play it both ways. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Just because you theoretically could have played better, so could the other team. And I, I think that's true in this matchup. The Vikings obviously losing to the Eagles. The Eagles didn't play particularly well, especially not the way we expected them to play this season given how dominant they looked last season they so i will say kirk put up big numbers um he looked pretty darn good most of the time i will say they were missing pro bowl corner bradbury um so that is part of it um but they still had the best corner in the nfl from last season and darius slay who did play so you know give and take there um but yeah, the Eagles weren't, they didn't look the way they looked last year. And I had another pal of mine bring up that could be because they lost both their coordinators. Their passing game looks pretty weak. And A.J. Brown, who was a top five receiver last year, looks far from this year. Oh, yeah. I think we underestimate the, well, obviously they didn't win the Super Bowl. But if you make it to a Super Bowl, if you're playing in that game, Your coaching staff gets stripped apart. Yeah, you get gutted a little bit. And they definitely are having a little bit of the hangover there. And there's also an element that you talked about Bradbury out, and they were missing a couple key defensive players who really were the captains for their respective. So, I mean, missing their top cornerback, top safety. They had some injuries in the linebacking core. Avante Maddox also didn't play another one of their secondary members. I mean, that's that's big. Those are hard losses to overcome. However, watching that game as a Vikings fan, what drove me absolutely insane is how dominant the Eagles, specifically offensive line, looked oh, the yeah. entire night. Yep. They picked up exactly where they left off last season. Like, they are probably still the number one offensive line in football, just like they were last year. And they're... Like, they made DeAndre Swift look amazing, which last season he had, you know, his flashes of greatness and then other flashes of not, so. Yeah, as a as a Lions fan, you know exactly what he can and can't do. And so does the rest of the 
America after Thursday night. He looked phenomenal behind that line. They kind of do whatever they want as as an offensive line. They can pull the shifts. They can direct traffic. And if they need two yards, you know, a yard and a half on those fourth downs or on the goal line, they're getting it every time. 92%. You know, Jason Kelsey talks about a lot. The QB sneak should be run more often because you basically can't stop it. I also think that not every team has a quarterback who squats like 350 pounds, though. Valid. And not every team has Jason Kelsey as their center. Right. But if you have a Hall of Fame center and a freak of an athlete at QB, sneak it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it works for them pretty well, so, I mean, why not? They're they're making a lot of teams pay for it, and that ultimately is how they win. You lean into your strengths. Vikings didn't really lean into their strengths. Jefferson, obviously, I would say best receiver in the NFL right now. He put up some good yards. He had a very quiet 100-yard game, though. Like, it didn't feel like he was over. It felt like he was, like, meh. But that's kind of the effect you have when you're, like, debatably the best in your field. Then if you don't absolutely show out, then you're just like, oh... You're just, like, really good, not the best. No, but I, mean, I think there's an element of a fear factor, too. And I don't think the Eagles were ever scared of Jefferson. No, I really don't think so. And I just, I think the standard is just too high for him now. And people are going to just assume that he does incredible things every single game. And then when he has a really good game, it's like... Okay, well, he was playing against one of the top teams in the NFL from last season and still was pretty good. Like, why can't we be happy with that too, you know? Right. He's suffering from his own success a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's a phenomenal way of wording it. So let's jump over to your team, the Lions. There was a a brief glimpse of uh, the reason Jared Goff got traded out of L.A. in the first place. There was almost like a level of jinxing it too, right? Like... <laughs> Like, Jared was on the third longest streak in NFL history of not having thrown a pick. And so they're showing this segment before the game. He's getting interviewed. Before they even bring it up, they go, hey, you know, Jared, are you superstitious? And he goes, ah, no, not really. And they go, oh, okay. So with that being said, you know what we're going to bring up next. And he goes, yeah, it's fine. We can talk about it. And then he throws the interception. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of the same story as last year's game against the Seahawks. The Lions-Seahawks game was the highest scoring game in the NFL last season by kind of a lot. Um, And this season, it's not going to be the highest. 68 points isn't a ton, um, especially not compared to the 99 from last year. Right. But it's still a really high scoring game. And again, the difference was a pick six. So, yep. Yeah, ultimately, pick six is what separated it at the end. And it's a bummer of a game for the lions to lose especially with the hype riding off of beating the chiefs in week one right it felt like a trap game like it was probably the most anticipated lions game or at least lions home opener ever yeah it's the biggest expectations the teams ever had they're going against the team that they just barely lost to last season Mm -hmm. um with that being said i don't think the biggest loss for detroit this week was via the final score um they came out so injured 
so so injured and you thought that was going to maybe play to their strength because the Seahawks were very injured they were missing their offensive tackles but then the Lions leave the game they were missing their left tackle when they came in okay they're now missing one of their starting guards and big v and I'm not even going to try to pronounce your name um (laughs) they lost David Montgomery they lost CJ Gardner Johnson later this week um they they lost a lot of people so um james houston was the runner-up for sack totals for rookies last year he's going to be out for possibly the rest of the year they lost like six or seven people this past week so that'll be tough it'll be really tough and it'll be interesting to see how they rally because obviously good teams can make up for some injury losses right uh, but some injury losses are pretty tough to overcome and what we can just jump to that one obviously the biggest injury of the weekend nick chubb tore his knee apart yeah and the hit was gruesome like so bad i don't think that they re-aired it on the broadcast after the initial time and i mean i still haven't even seen what the official diagnosis is it was kind of a it doesn't matter his yeah. knee his knee's blown up he's having surgery he's done right you gotta feel for a guy like chubb though because he had a massive injury i think it was what 2015 when he was in college same leg, did a ton of damage to the knee, structural damage, surgery, recovered, makes the NFL. And he was looking like a top dominant three back. Yeah, absolutely dominant. And that is the end of the season. And that's going to be a huge loss for the Browns because oh, they really sure. leaned on the run game. And you knew pretty much right away, like, Kareem Hunt's going to be in that building tomorrow. And then where was Kareem Hunt today? In Cleveland. He's probably on his way back there, which will help. Like, he already knows the playbook. He knows the staff. He knows most of his teammates there. Um, Not a ton of turnover from last year. Obviously, it's an NFL team, so there's a bit. You have to think that'll be part of the Band-Aid. Yeah, totally. But it'll be a lot to overcome, especially the AFC North is so competitive. Because, I mean, we're talking trap game with the Lions. Trap game kind of with the Bengals dropping another game they're 0 and 2. Obviously they started 0 and 2 before. They pulled out a good season and I'm not going to bet against Joe Burrow, but they're 0 and 2 and this loss was against the Ravens who are 2 and 0. The Steelers have looked pretty good. So that AFC North is going to be extremely competitive. Yeah, the fact that the Bengals were at home and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are still not on the same page. It's got to be pretty alarming for Bengals fans. Um, I imagine a lot of people are reliving the days of Carson Palmer and AJ Green right now. Like, oh no, what happened? Mm. You know, is this going to be us? So um, Bengals fans are probably on the edge of their seats in a bad way. But we'll find out come the rest of the season. You have to assume that they're still going to be Super Bowl contenders considering, you know, what they've done the last two years. But but it, now it sounds like Burrow re-aggravated that calf injury, so he's not going to be 100%. He's going to play. Um, I can't imagine anything short of uh, an, an Achilles rupture, perhaps, would get a starting quarterback to take significant time off. Unless you believe in the healing power of Dolphins for Aaron Rodgers, of course. Yeah, if you're a Jets fan, you are suddenly a Dolphins fan as well, just not the Miami version. Yeah, and they didn't, they fell from grace after their surprise win too. Totally. Yeah, the Dolphins are, they're still going to be a a juggernaut on offense, 
But, I mean, they gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter to a really not good Patriots team. Right. So it's it's a long season. Things can get figured out. But I was not as impressed with the Dolphins. Obviously, it's hard to repeat what they did week one when they just blew the doors off. And all Dolphins fans are going to tell you they're going to struggle against the Patriots no matter what. Like, at the end of the day, it's still Bill Belichick and it's still the Patriots. So he's had their number for 20 years, you know. That's not going to change overnight. Like, yeah, all of a sudden everyone's great unless you're playing Bill. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think the game, for me watching that game, it's less about Miami's struggles and more about almost the ineptitude of the Patriots. They really didn't look good. There was never a moment in that game where I was like, oh, no, the Patriots are okay. The whole game was like, ooh, this is maybe the worst Patriots team I've ever seen in my lifetime. Mac Jones is showing glimpses of a former Super Bowl-appearing Patriots quarterback, and I am referring to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Didn't appear for a Super Bowl with the Patriots, but a Super Bowl-appearing quarterback nonetheless. That he is. Um, Yeah, Max, it looks like his ceiling is going to be pretty good, and his floor is going to be, I'm fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. You can win with that with you know in really good defense and a strong running game um right now the running game does not look that strong and the defense looks decent but they're going to need to be a heck of a lot better if they want to make that into a postseason run especially in that uh division yeah especially because after this weekend the bills and josh allen specifically looked like they're back they did look like they're back they were playing the raiders fair give and take um but i mean yeah if you're a bills fan you're like oh we're so back stefan is happy josh is not turning the ball over we are so back you're smashing tables man oh yeah absolutely light them on fire jump off the van and i mean a good team beats up on a bad team good point great point the bills took it to the raiders yeah yeah they did so they did what they were supposed to do in that matchup the Bills are going to be good. Dolphins we know are good. Um, the other two, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That's that's pretty much where we have to land, I think. The Jets, their offensive woes continued. Part of that is going up against the Cowboys, and that looks, looks to be elite defense. Yeah. Um, Dak, again, looked lackluster, and they, again, put up 30-plus points. Yep. Some help on the defense. Oh, yeah. Defense looks good. Micah Parsons looks like he's a easy front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. And that was actually something I wanted to bring up. Because if you are following along on Twitter, especially on the primetime games, a lot of other players will kind of chime in on what's happening. J.J. Watt, obviously, rooting for the Steelers now in retirement with his brother. Yep. And commented and said, T.J. is the best defensive player in the league and he said you can skip your rationalizations there's no argument basically don't talk to me if you think it's anybody else but what about guys like Micah Parsons what about guys like Nick Bosa what do you do with some of these guys obviously we have Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald who have kind of been in that conversation the last several years how do you pick the best defensive player 
Um, when you see Micah Parsons pretending to dribble a ball through his legs, basically in front of an offensive lineman and then just bull rushing him for the easiest sack he's probably ever gotten. Parsons or Garrett? Was that Garrett? Was it Garrett? I think it was Miles Garrett. He was doing the like a crossover, standing on the defensive line. Man, I might be totally mixed up. I think it was Miles Garrett was doing a crossover, standing up. It, he literally was telegraphing his move. He was telling the offensive lineman, I'm going to do a little crossover, step right around you, and they snapped the ball and it didn't matter. So he stepped right around him. Yeah, I mean, like, either way, whichever one it was, it was still like, okay, um, it wasn't T.J. Watt. Right. He could tell skip our rationalizations all we want, um, but at the end of the day, it's his brother. <laughs> totally. And I'm not saying T.J.'s not in the conversation. Oh, he totally is. He's awesome. And he is probably the best player on the field when the Steelers are playing almost every single time. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone even close to his level on the Steelers roster outside of himself. And he consistently shows up under pressure, which is obviously a big part of defensive superstars. You can you know, be great when it doesn't matter, but are you great when it does matter? And he has shown up in the big moments. We're also seeing glimpses of that from Micah Parsons. Right now, if I had to pick one, I think Parsons is a more versatile defender than Watt because he technically is playing that linebacker, outside linebacker, edge rusher role. TJ's putting his hand in the dirt. He's coming off the edge. You know, I did just look it up, and you are totally right. It totally was Miles Garrett. Oh, look at that. Either way, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, I don't want any of them against my team. No, no. I say trade for all of them right now. They're game wreckers, and they're they're all going to get paid ridiculous amounts of money. And outside of quarterback, I'm not sure any other position impacts a game as much single-handedly as an elite defensive rusher. Could you imagine if the Pro Bowl was taken seriously and still existed since the game's not a thing anymore, having T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett in front of you at the same time? Good grief. I might as well die. It'd be insane. It'd be like getting hit by multiple semi-trucks simultaneously. Yeah, and it'd be, I mean, they'd be going up basically against the Eagles' offensive line, and as much as I think the Eagles' offensive line is the best in the league, they're losing that one. Yeah, probably. I mean, you can't double-team everyone. Sorry, JJ, but Mike Parsons has my vote this year. Right now I'm going Parsons. I'm probably biased without even realizing it because I am in Dallas, and so I see a whole lot of Cowboys highlights, but also there are a whole lot of Micah Parsons highlights. So, If they're the best defense in the NFL, which so far they are, then he's the best player on the best defense. And that says a lot. Usually, best player on the best defense is the defensive player of the year. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that shakes out the rest of the season. Regardless, the Cowboys look genuinely scary, especially in a relatively weak NFC. They had a couple guys in their division who did finally squeak out some wins. I shouldn't say finally. It's only week two. But the Giants, they got back on track. They had a phenomenal comeback. Um, but on the flip side of that coin, they were coming back against the Cardinals, who are supposed right. to be the worst team in the league this year. Right. And are actively tanking, maybe? Uh, yeah, don't tell Roger Goodell, but they're tanking. 
the fact that you need to come back against a team like that, I think maybe says more than uh, the fact that you won. Yeah, that says a lot. Let's talk on the tanking thing for a second, though. How do you feel about tanking? I hate it as a fan because I don't want to watch a team actively be bad. But I also hate it from the perspective of players know if you're not trying. And so why would they want to be there? I think that to actively tank in a way where you like purposefully lose a bunch of games, I don't necessarily think that's a thing. I think if you're really, really bad, like if you get to the point that you're like 0-10 and, and that was not intentional, then sure. I think coaches are like, all right, maybe we throw in some backups here and there. Maybe we don't take a timeout here. Maybe we decide to kneel it out before halftime when there's, you know, a minute and a half to go and yep. instead of going for it, you know, things like that. I think then they start to play into it a little bit. And even like like last year, Lovey Smith was accused of having grossly irresponsible win at the end of the season yep. to yep. get the Texans out of the the first overall pick. Um and so a bunch of people accused him of not tanking. And I think that's probably more realistic than the opposite yeah sometimes it hurts you to win a game if your season naturally fell apart right and i think that's probably what happens more often is your season kind of blows so then you decide okay i'm not gonna try that hard but if i win a game or two then you know that's nice yeah i also don't totally understand the benefit given the track record of first round picks specifically quarterbacks because they're tanking for a quarterback. Kyler Murray is not the long-term answer, both from a physical limitation standpoint, but also from a maturity work ethic standpoint. It's pretty clear that the Cardinals don't trust him to act like a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the root of all good jokes is that there's a slight bit of truth in it, right? And let's face it, we've all seen the jokes about Kyler Murray and Call of Duty at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Everything you're saying, I'm guessing, probably has a bit of truth to it. You know, they probably aren't super sold on him. And new coach wants a new guy. We'll see if he makes it to next season. If he does, then he's got to want his own guy, right? You know? Right. Like when they drafted Kyler, remember Cliff Kingsbury was at Texas Tech. Yeah. And he said straight up, if I go to the NFL next season, then I want Kyler Murray. Yep. You know, and he wasn't Kyler's coach in college. So, you know, they told him okay we'll get your guy that you said you wanted before you were even a member of our organization you know you have to think okay they already did that once are they willing to do the same exact thing maybe history says yes yeah and obviously caleb williams from usc is the top prospect in the draft and a lot of people are saying one of the top quarterback prospects since andrew luck yeah, I've heard the number one prospect in the last several years, number one since Trevor Lawrence, um, and then the majority of people I've seen have him as a number three behind Lawrence, and then Andrew Luck as number one for the top quarterbacks in the last, you know, just over a decade, and then yeah. going back to Peyton Manning, obviously being probably the number one quarterback recruit of all time, despite not going number one. Ryan Leaf who? Hey, he owns up to it out in the uh, NFL space now. So credit where it's due, man. Way to take responsibility. I'm just not convinced. As much as Caleb Williams is an exciting prospect, I'm not convinced that his NFL career is going to be better than 
Drake May or Quinn Ewers or Shadur Sanders. I mean, take your pick with some of these quarterbacks in next year's class. So if you're tanking to get that number one pick, you're still shooting, what, 50-50? Yeah, so stats say that basically first-round quarterbacks you have a 50-50 hit rate on. But interesting enough, I was taking a look at that earlier this week. Almost every quarterback taken second in the draft, not with the second overall pick, but the quarterback that is taken second in the draft has been a bust like 95% of the times. Fascinating. Like, obviously not the case for, you know, like Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, you know, or Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck and RG3. Right. You could chalk it up to injuries, but RG3 was definitely not what people expected. Right. So obviously not really RG3, but he was out of the league very quickly. Zach Wilson we're obviously seeing in live time. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember who went right after Baker. Was it Sam Darnold that went right after Baker? But he's obviously a backup now, and that might have more to do with the Jets for those last two than anything else. And but. there's Yeah, there's also that, where you get drafted absolutely matters and um specifically the cardinals the last several years have proven to be a really bad organization it's just so hard for me to say that overall for them though because like two years ago they were what 10 and 0 11 and 0 they were the number one seed for like a huge majority of the season and then they fell apart and then they fell apart but it was like oh shoot like these guys are good and now they're the worst. So it's like just a massive fall from grace. Yeah, they just dropped off a cliff. You mentioned Baker, though. Baker had fallen from grace, totally off the map. Cleveland was done with him. And it kind of looks like he's having a career resurgence in Tampa. He, I think he took a page out of a lot of people's playbooks and said, okay, I'm going to go to a team with an awesome defense and a pretty decent running game. Yeah. Because Rashad White, he was pretty darn good this past weekend. Baker did what he needed to do. Um, No one's accused him of having the signs yet from the opposing sideline, but I think that was a load of bull anyways. Um, But yeah, it looks like he's he's feeling dangerous again, which I love because I think the NFL is so much better with him in it. Absolutely. And there was a play... Jumping back to week one against the Vikings, he stiff-armed the, one of the cornerbacks out of bounds, and Baker was mic'd up for the game, and the clips oh, yeah. after, uh, they were filtered for family-safe social media consumption, but the essence of what he said was, get your weight up, little boy. I just, I loved it. When I saw the clip, I was like, Baker is back, man. Let's Baker go. Baker is back. And one of his teammates, I don't remember who it was, but one of the Buccaneers' teammates was asked about that. They said, you know, is Baker playing to the mic? Is he Because he's mic'd up. Is he a little more dramatic? And the guy kind of laughed. He goes, no, Baker does that against us in practice. I mean, I don't know if you even have to ask the question. We've seen him grab his crotch and basically flip <laughs> a bird to the opposing sideline. So I think that's just him. Yeah, it, Baker plays with so much fire. And you're right, the NFL is more fun when he's balling out and he is balling out yeah i think he just needed some time to move stadiums Uh, we haven't seen him in a commercial lately because he's probably was just unpacking his boxes um and you know now he's all moved in and he's got his bed back in place and he's waking up feeling dangerous man waking up in the pirate ship yeah and i love it 
Um, I will say I don't think the Bucks are the most impressive team in their division, though. I think the Saints are going to win. I know I said last week that the Panthers are a sneaky pick, but, man, the Saints look like they are just so much better than every other team in that division. Yeah, I think so, too. And spoiler alert with uh, our eventual power rankings, I think the Panthers dropped all the way. They're in my bottom three. They are just... They're in a rebuild. They are. And I'm not knocking them for it. They're not anything that I didn't expect. The Saints, however, I'm with you. I did not see it playing out this well for them so quickly. I did. I had them winning the division um, with the Panthers, you know, maybe on the come up. Uh huh. So I thought they would win, but I am like, they've got some guys. Like, they kind of are balling out, you know, and I didn't expect them to be 2 and 0. I mean, I thought they would win the division, but I wasn't like, okay, they're going to go and they're going to have some grit to them in week one, and then in week two they're going to show out against a divisional opponent. You know, I I think that Derek Carr is out to prove a lot of people wrong. Oh, yeah, and I think he will. I think his time in Oakland and then Las Vegas was completely overblown at him being any sort of the problem. I think a lot of people just assumed that he was part of the issue in Oakland slash Vegas Yep, because he was never consistently winning and he was never consistently winning against the good teams or in, even if it was a bad team, but it was in a harsh place. I think part of it is also with Derek Carr's, he's just not, well, as much as Baker Mayfield is a fiery personality, that's just not Derek Carr. No, it's really not. And I, you know, part of me feels for him because when you look at Derek Carr's face, you're like, that man's a raider. Like, he just radiates raider energy, kind yep. of. Yep. You know, he just looks angry. And I don't think that's actually who he is when you talk to him and things like that. Like, yeah, not that I've personally talked to him, but, you know, his interviews. He seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd have a lemonade with you. But it's that. It's a lemonade. <laughs> we, I, I am asking if we can go get a lemonade together. Yeah. You know, I'll walk down the street and give a kid five bucks for a lemonade from their stand. You know, Derek Carr will come with me. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. So he's he just didn't have a personality like Baker or even different personalities like Tom Brady, like Baker Mayfield, that some of these personalities just play well on TV and the media eats it up. And Derek Carr wasn't that, isn't that. Right, and I think that's almost been a benefit to him. It's kind of like... um. It's kind of like Justin Herbert and like Matthew Stafford too. Like they both are kind of similar where, you know, they're not huge on social media, even though they get called or Justin specifically is called social media quarterback last season. Yeah, yeah. But they're those guys that don't go out there and talk. They just kind of go out and play. And honestly, you know what? I respect the heck out of it. Yeah. No, I mean, you got to know, you know, got to know who you are and what you want to be and how you want to brand yourself. But let's let's talk about the social media quarterback for a minute. Obviously, the Chargers are kind of I don't know, infamous at this point for underachieving. Yeah, um, hailed as a top five, six, seven quarterback, looking pretty decent personally, but their team is just not it. Once again, they lost to the Titans who I had very low in my power rankings last week. They shot up quite a bit for me, spoiler alert, but man, just tough going for the chargers. They didn't have Austin Eckler. So that's part of it. 
definitely a part. But how much is it just not good coaching? You have to think that a good chunk of it is, right? Like Staley was on the hot seat last year. He ends up firing his offensive coordinator, who I know from his days as the Lions offensive coordinator was That's right. not very good at it. You know, if he made an offense with Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate, and Matthew Stafford look boring. Um, so you have to think that he's also going to make an offense with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, Allen and Mike Williams look boring, and he did both times. So, yeah. you know, he was an easy scapegoat, but Staley is still not looking great, so you're out of scapegoats, man. Yeah, I think if the Chargers, Chargers are playing the Vikings this upcoming week, both teams 0-2, neither team expected to be 0-2. I think the Vikings were planning on being 1-1 one one here, lose to the Eagles, but thought they'd beat the Bucks. Probably. That's what I had them. Yeah, and I think the Chargers are probably in the same boat. Like, lose week one, maybe. But against the Titans, they probably expected to win that. So both teams 0-2 coming in this week feels like almost a must-win, do-or-die weekend for both of them. Oh, I think you're totally right. Um, I don't think there's any question about it, especially with the divisions that both of them are playing in. You yeah. Know, the AFC West, um, I don't think they have a team 2-0, and do they? They No, because it's the Broncos, the Raiders, and the yep. Chiefs. So, you know, they, the Chiefs are sitting there at 1-1. One and one. They've obviously been the king of the NFL for a while. Right. Um, they have to be thinking, like, I'm kind of in striking distance still because it's only 1-1 one and one to 0-2. Oh totally. Um, and the Vikings are thinking the same thing. They're thinking, you know, Detroit was the favorite this season. The Chiefs were the favorite this season. But it's still striking different distance because, you know, they both lost this yep. week. So, well, the Chiefs didn't lose this week. They lost two weeks ago. But you know what I mean. Yeah, so, I mean, there's no 2-0 and teams in those divisions. I think if you're the Chargers, the urgency is a little more genuine because we know the Chiefs are going to be good. You're so right. We don't know if the Raiders or the Broncos will be good. They've both shown some flashes. I'm not buying stock in either one. But if you're the Vikings, the Bears are not good. And I don't think the Vikings are scared of the Packers. I think they look at the matchup on paper, and Kirk Cousins is definitely the better quarterback if they stop turning the ball over. So I think the NFC North feels more within their reach than the AFC West does for the Chargers. Yeah, and I think a huge part of that is the Chiefs are the kings of the NFL. You know, yeah, they're, overall. They're yeah. Uh, they're by far, you know, the poster team of the league at the moment, similar to how the Patriots were for, you know, our times growing up. Yep. So you have to assume borderline, you know, coaches say that they don't go through and circle wins and take a guess at what their record will be and stuff like that. That's totally Yes, bold. they, they do. definitely do. Oh, they so do. They do. Maybe they don't think they're going to be second in the division. Maybe they do think they're going to be first versus you know, Vikings probably thought they'd be in the running for it. Um, and they, you know, since it's week two, we know they definitely still are. There's no team out of the running for any division really yet. Um, unless you were going to say the Bears are out of the running for everything. Maybe in the running for the uh, number one overall pick. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, and you know, props to them for having two first-round picks. Um, they were definitely hoping that the Panthers' pick would be higher than theirs. It yeah. probably won't be. No, that's a good point. But the Bears could have, and that'll be interesting, the Bears could end up with two 
quite realistically top 10, top seven picks. Yeah. And suddenly you're thinking, I don't know, do you really like Justin Fields? I mean, they had that option this past year and they said, yeah, we like him. And they decided to trade the pick. Um, And it didn't work. So far, you know, you're Bryce Young, two picks, two games in. Um, So you're like, oh, I lost out on Bryce Young. I lost out on CJ Stroud. Maybe I still like Fields more than that. But the thing with Fields so far this season, and I'm almost positive that you're going to agree, it shouldn't bother Bears fans that he's struggling. I don't think that should bother Bears fans. What should bother them is that he's struggling in the same ways we've seen him struggle for the past two seasons. He has not grown in any of his weak areas so far. Yep, that is a phenomenal point. He's still young, and the team is still bad. So, yeah, you're right. Struggles aren't an immediate concern, but struggling the same way year after year Either he's not capable of fixing those things or the coaching staff is not capable of getting it out of him. And either way, at some point, you miss your window. Yeah, and you get to a certain point that it's like, if you don't install this into Justin Fields' mind, basically right now, um, then it's done. You know, you can only do so much unlearning. There's things that, you know, we all have bad habits and that's, we're being extra critical of these guys because they're NFL players and they're on a bigger stage than we are. Right. Um, but, you know, we all have bad habits that we need to unlearn and are very, very hard for us because we've had them for years or decades or however long. But in the NFL, it's very easy to hyperfixate on those. It's very easy to never unlearn those. And that is what Justin Fields is basically in danger of. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. We cannot wrap a show two weeks in a row on ragging on Justin Fields. So instead, uh, let's talk about a couple of the rookies to wrap things up. We have Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis. Huge bummer. The concussion is a major concern because we've seen that with more mobile kind of run happy quarterbacks where their careers get cut short. But when he's healthy, it's like watching Cam Newton if Cam Newton had better accuracy. Yeah, I think I think he will be able to figure it out in the long term, like how we say Josh Allen did. Um, he can probably do that, I think. Um, an all-pro running back would probably help him with that. But huh, I wonder where you can get an all-pro running back near Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out. It's Jonathan Taylor, people. The answer is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he's already in... Indianapolis, for the record. And he would have been worth every penny if you consider it an investment in Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and they just obviously did not, and Jim Mercier made that very public. Yeah. Um, but what other what other rookie were you going to shout out for us? I'm going to go with the uh, former Texas Longhorn, Bijan Robinson, at, and the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons look like they might have some actual threatening talent and Bijan looked incredible this weekend. I do think, I think this upcoming week is going to be very make it or break it for both Detroit and the Falcons. Um, Mm. So we're going to see if the Lions hype is real and beating an alleged up and coming other team 
and we're going to see if the Falcon type is real if they beat someone who has the most hype in the league around them coming into the season. And it's it's at Detroit, right? I believe so. So, I mean, piece by piece, as much as we don't think Jared Goff is the forever answer in Detroit, he's better than Desmond Ritter. I do think he's better than Desmond Ritter. It is going to be a battle of the two first-round running backs, though, which is kind of sweet, too. Yeah, that's true. We should see some more of Jameer Gibbs with David Montgomery going down on the... Because I, I think it was a quad injury. That's probably three, four weeks. I, I think they said two to three um, was what they quoted. They brought up Zonovan Knight, the former Jets, kind of... I'm going to say standout, but that's maybe an exaggeration. Um, they brought him up from their practice squad, so I honestly won't be shocked to see Craig Reynolds or Zonovan Knight get more carries than Jameer Gibbs. Sure. But I'm guessing Gibbs gets more overall touches, um, and that's something that even the Pride of Detroit media group hit on for uh, for the Lions as well, and I think they're probably right. Gibbs will probably get more touches, but it's going to be catches. Um, oh, sure. He's got to be hating himself right now, too, because he dropped a pass this past week that it was from the opposing, like, 30, 40-yard line maybe, but it was just nothing but green grass in front of him. And with Mm. how fast he is, you have to think that it was going to be a 60- or 70-yard touchdown um, or at least a gain of 30, 40, 50 yards. Sure. So he's probably hating on himself a little bit for that. Um, But on the flip side, Bijan looks like he – is maybe worth a top 10 pick at running back. So he's out to prove people both right and other people wrong at the same time. Totally. It's rare that a running back, especially in today's NFL, is worth a huge draft investment. But man, Robinson looks special. Yeah. I mean, is it a stretch to say that he looks better than Lenny looked in his first couple of NFL games? I mean, I don't think so. I think, I think he looks better and, it's early. It's two weeks. It is his rookie season. Yes. However, that. there are glimpses of the way he runs and the way he changes direction so drastically at full speed. It reminds me of prime Ladanian Tomlinson, which is a frightening thought. He looks pretty dope. He looks legit out there. So, And even he had one play, I think it was a screen, where he caught the ball and he was just throwing people to the ground. I'm like, dude, give me some more of that. It's fun to watch. That kind of football is fun to watch. Yeah, and I think we'll see exactly what both the Lions and Falcons are made of this upcoming week when they play each other. The winner of that game has a definitive shot to go on and win their respective divisions. I know that I already hyped up the Saints a lot, mm-hmm. um, but... Yeah, but Falcons are sitting at 2-0 and as well. Yep. So a lot of season left to play. We teased it a little bit earlier with power rankings. For me, not a lot changed from week one. I still have the Niners as the number one. I bumped the Cowboys up to number two after that defensive beatdown of the Jets yep. and then dropped the Eagles down to three. And then I still have Dolphins Chiefs rounding out the top five. I do still have the same top five as you, though this week we're not the exact same order, so we got a nice little change up there. Um, I do have Niners 1, Cowboys 2, except I've got the Finns higher than the Eagles. The Eagles just looked like they struggled so much against the Vikings. You know, they won, obviously, but they didn't have really any big passing plays. They had that one to Devontae Smith that looked pretty awesome, but A.J. Brown is a top five receiver in the league, and something looks wrong with him. Jalen Hurts looks 
different as a passer. I still think mm-hmm. that they're an elite team, especially in the NFC, but something looks weird there. If you win the turnover battle by that much, you should win by more than one score, I think. That is a really good point. So I bumped them down. They're my number five team. I've got the Finns at three. Um, they were just so freaking good in, in week one, and then they come out and they win against a team that's historically given them struggles um, yeah. and who gave the Eagles struggles in week one as well. So, um, And then I've got the Chiefs at four. They bounced back, obviously, but I don't think we can really have them number one with that loss last week. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, the Eagles are my number five. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then at the very bottom of the barrel, nothing changed for me. Cardinals at the bottom, Bears just a half step away from that. And then I brought the Panthers down into the bottom three, um, edging out the Texans. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it. They don't want to be there, but. Yeah, um, I'd agree with you. And the Panthers definitely don't want to be there considering they don't have a first rounder this year. So, whoops. Yeah, that's tough. So I did drop them one spot. I had them at my number. 28 or fifth from the bottom last week this week i've got them down to my number four you have them at number three um i've got to apologize to titans fans i had them very low last week i did not think they looked good in week one at all i bumped them up a ton so way to go from you know number 30 to 24 yeah there you go way to go titans way to prove me wrong um and then i do have Texans, Cardinals, and I have Bears coming in last. Like I said with Justin Fields, I just the fact that he's struggling the same ways year after year after year, and that they have, you know, added seemingly decent weapons to him now, and he still can't get the ball to them, and their defense still is not good. It just I've got them coming up last again. We'll see. It's a long season, but I would not be shocked if the Bears or the Cardinals are uh, going into Week 18 thinking no run overall pick is a lock. Yeah, I think either of them would be pretty happy with that. The Cardinals, obviously, they're doubling down on it because they have the Texans first rounder as well, so they're hoping to get a quarterback and Marvin Harrison, I assume. But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. All right, that'll do it for this week from the AD's office. Thanks for hanging with us. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.